when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm deep into this recruiting world, National Signing Day not. As exciting, of course, as a you know the traditional national signing day because of the early signing period. But man, up from about seven a.m. to about four p.m. yesterday or Wednesday, I should say, we're recording this on Thursday. Listen to it on Friday. But man, it was just wall-to-wall recruiting stuff, and that's kind of what this episode is going to be. So we had just about all the SEC coaches come out, break down their classes, break down their teams. We're going to get into some of that stuff next weekend. So this podcast is going to be specifically on the recruiting aspect, National Signing Day in particular, Shane. Mm-hmm. And we got to start with the Georgia Bulldogs because, once again, they've won the mythical national championship of recruiting, if you want to call it that. The Bulldogs mm-hmm. land the number one class. Now, this is two out of three. Kirby Smart's hauled in the number one recruiting class. I believe the year they didn't get number one, they were number is either number two or number three. So heading into 2020, Shane, this is kind of why, you know, on our previous podcast, we were talking about the hot seats. If you missed that, go back and listen to our, our breakdown on the 2020 hot seat of all the coaches in the SEC. Why I've got Kirby on a three out of five on that hot seat meter. I mean, there's just no excuse. Number one class, number one class, top three class. Yeah. Going into next season, no one's going to have more talent based on the recruiting rankings than Georgia Bulldogs. I know this is a great day for Georgia, Dog Nation, they're fired up. But what does this do, in your opinion, Shane, to the expectations for Kirby Smart and his program next year? Mike, did they save any linemen for the rest of the conference? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I looked up, they had a five-star lineman showing up. So, uh, no, this is... I think you're right, man, just turning up the heat because, you know, everybody loves recruiting. Everybody loves being number one in recruiting. I mean, that's all everybody was talking about this week was, you know, uh, how, how how great we're turning it on here at the end. And uh, Georgia was no different, man. I mean, they were gassed. They were pedaled down, and they walked away with the greatest class yet again. 
But like you said, year after year, you start doing this, you can no longer just wear that belt around the office. you got to start showing production on the field, and I think this is the year. So the heat is turned up down there in Athens. Mm-hmm. Now going down to number two, and keep in mind, these are national rankings, not obviously one and two SEC as well, but number two in the nation, Alabama, they struck out on all their key targets here on National Signing Day, yet they still have the number two recruiting class in the nation. That should tell you something about the quality of the recruits Nick Saban and company had coming into the day. LSU, number four. Texas A&M, number six. Auburn, number seven. Florida, number eight. And Tennessee, right there at number 10. Seven of the top ten from the SEC. I mean, my God, Shane, how much more (laughs) evidence do we need that uh, the SEC just runs college football. Yeah, I saw something like that. Like there was 35-star recruits, and SEC is going to have half of them playing next year. You know, it's just it, – it's unreal what this conference is able to do. And the fact – I've heard it many times. I mean, I'm happy Tennessee's top ten, but they're still seventh in the SEC, you know. So mm-hmm. that just shows you uh, there's not a lot of room for error at the top. No, absolutely not. Going rounding out the rest of the SEC, South Carolina, number 18, Kentucky, number 23, Mississippi State, 27, Arkansas, 30, Ole Miss, 39, Missouri, 50, and Vanderbilt, 53. And keep in mind, Shane, all 14 <laughs> SEC programs finished ahead of Southern Cal. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia Tech, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean that gives you an idea of, of just the SEC dominance, even the teams at the bottom, more stacked than some traditional powers across the nation. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into some of these classes in just a moment here, but uh, here's my winners and losers. This is something I do every early signing be- period, National Signing Day. And keep in mind, this is just for National Signing Day Wednesday, not the entire 25 your team landed, just what they hit on or missed from Wednesday's National Signing Day. Number one, of course, I had to go Georgia with everything that they secured. A lot of their guys they already had committed, but they held on to them. So they're my number one winner. I think you most would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, number two. You got to be fired up about that, Shane. Thoughts? Uh, let's yes. get your thoughts right, just right off the bat. Tennessee, top 10 recruiting class. How unexpected is that for you when you're looking at it and Tennessee here was 0-2 to start the season? Pruitt on the hot seat, if you want to say. I mean, at what were they at 1.2-6, and 2-5, and 5, something crazy like that? And here we go, top 10 recruiting class, longest winning streak in the nation outside of LSU. How high are you coming off this national signing period and heading into the next season? Extremely worried because if you remember at the start of this season – Recruiting wasn't doing well here in Tennessee, and that's all we kept hearing about was just how great some of this the staff is and uh, how how great they are getting talent in the past. And it just felt like it was just chugging along, you know, one at a time. And and then it, it, you know you comp you, you put that with the schedule and the the bad losses we had there to start of the season. It just it felt pretty grim, Mike. I ain't gonna lie, you know, I felt like <laughs> we were taking a few steps back, but. 
the fact that they were able to not only show it up on the field, but I think that helped in recruiting here at the end. And, uh, you know, Malachi was a big one for me. That was just like icing on the cake. Someone I, I, I wasn't really sure about mm-hmm. and uh, but knew that this class really needed. So, uh, yeah, I'm on cloud nine because Tennessee, I was honestly, you would ask me five weeks ago if we were going to make a lot of noise on National Signing Day, I would have told you no. But uh, it looks like they did. So I was I was pretty impressed with the staff on this one. Absolutely. My number three winner of National Signing Day, Arkansas Razorbacks continue to be amazed by what Sam Pittman and his staff are doing. I know number 30 overall kind of talked about the entire class there, but you keep in mind, you know, they were so far late in the process. And I know Mississippi State also finished a little bit ahead of them in the and oh, I should have mentioned this at the beginning there. Uh, the rankings I'm giving out are the 24-7 composite rankings. That's the one we always reference on here, so I don't want to confuse anybody, but that's the one I keep referencing there. Um, you know, I just think Arkansas, if you look at the coaches that came in during the early signing period, I mean, there's far and away they've done the best job. Uh, so that was outstanding. South Carolina, I mean – I have him as my number four, but we're still a little <laughs> bit up in the air there with Jordan Birch. We'll talk <laughs> more. About, we'll talk more okay. about him in a minute. But and then num- uh, my final two winners here: Texas A&M, Missouri, flipping over to the other side. Biggest losers of National Signing Day: Ole Miss got to be number one. They basically got you know no one they wanted. And hell, mm-hmm. Shane, I don't even know if you saw this, but uh, did you see they landed a kid that uh, did <laughs> yeah. not have a scholarship <laughs> offer? <laughs> Yeah, I sent my LOI over too, and I haven't heard back from him, Mike. <laughs> I mean, Lane Kiffin is so popular in that state, Shane. Kids are signing up that don't have offers. Uh, that's kind of a sad story, but apparently that kid has signed with North Texas, so at least he's getting a free ride somewhere. That, that's more than a lot of us could say. Uh, number two loser, got to be the Florida Gators. Almost put them number one, but they ended up uh, landing a big defensive end. They're on National Signing Day. Otherwise, they have completely struck out. And then I right. can we can we pause this for just a moment mm-hmm. because Florida Gator fans are already tweeting you. Okay, <laughs> remember this is winners and losers of this National Signing Day, not the entire class, mm-hmm. just this week, last day National Signing Day. So the final day to send your letter of intent. Uh, well, not the final, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's what Mike is ranking his winners and losers. Okay, so go ahead, delete the tweet now. <laughs> Unblock him. Absolutely. Number eight class overall, there's no way that's a loser. Right. But just they missed so many on National Signing Day, so that's why they're here. And that's the same thing with LSU. I got a lot of blowback. I got LSU number three, and that's simply because they had – Two big targets on the now. Hell, they may get Jordan Birch, so maybe I got to amend this if that happens. But mm-hmm. National Signing Day struck out on both of them. Number four overall class in the nation. They're going to be just all right. Hell, I could put them the biggest losers in the world. It doesn't matter. They just won the national championship, so <laughs> you can't say anything bad about LSU. But so that's kind of where I have it. Do you have any thoughts on my winners and losers there? Any disagreements? Anyone you would add to the winners or losers that I didn't add there? One I'm considering too is Missouri. Uh, Just because I know he didn't have a lot of time to work down there. Was he on your losers list? No, I got him on the winners list here. What what did he accomplish on National Signing Day? I mean, that, that made you feel like he was a winner. 
just because it felt like he kept a lot of in-state talent, mm-hmm. which which I think is great, but I think they were not going anywhere else. Right. You know? Well, he had the viral video. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I like that. And, uh, they hell, they beat out Alabama for a guy that they really wanted, beat out a in, uh, he's from Texas. Texas really wanted him. And it just kind of showed me that, this guy may not be over his head and it, you know, okay. it's fair. You know I think it was fair to question that before this point. Uh, I know they didn't do outstanding, but they've locked up some key talent here. Got a several players that had sec offers. I think Missouri, if they keep, you know, they're going to have to do a hell of a lot better moving forward, but mm-hmm. given this short time span, I mean, I think they did about as well as Lane Kiffin and old miss did. So even better on National Signing Day. So okay. if if you're going to tell me, you know, a month ago, who's going to have a better National Signing Day, I would have put everything I had on my life to, to say Lane Kiffin. Well, it turns out Drinkowitz outdid him, I thought. So maybe just more of a surprise to me. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why I, I've got Missouri there. Okay. So, well, I'm, I guess I'm with you, man. Uh, this, this list pretty much matches up. Like I said, the South Carolina, the one – I'm kind of waiting to see what happens there. Um, I thought Arkansas should be a little bit higher, mm-hmm. um, mainly for what what else they got coming in. I, I think going out there, uh, even though I gave Franks a hard time, you know, I think that was a huge commit for them as well. Uh, they've also got their future quarterback. Um, so I, I'm with you on this list. Uh, these new coaches. Let me ask you something. Yes, sir. We got four new coaches. Uh, out of those. Which one are you really impressed with? I, I know it's easy to look at the numbers and the stars and what they've had committed, but w- given the timetable of some of these guys, which coach were you really impressed with coming in? Oh, it's got to be easy answer. Sam Pittman there at Arkansas. Just, you know, for all the unanswered questions with that hire, mm-hmm. anybody that knew what Sam Pittman was really about knew that he had – you know, some of the characteristics that you want in a head coach, what we're seeing now with a guy like Dabo Sweeney and Coach O and how they've won over those fan bases and they've turned into kind of CEO-type recruiters. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very easy to say, hell, we'll just go get, you know, a good line coach or what have you, and he'll be our Coach O or he'll be our yeah. Dabo. But it just it just doesn't work that way. It's got to be a guy, I think, that really wants to be there, It's committed to there and knows the strengths, knows the weaknesses of the program and the state and where he's got to attack it. And until you're put into that position, I don't think you can really know. I don't care. You know, Arkansas fans are in love with Sam Pittman, but I bet at the time they had no idea he was going to go out and get Odom and Bryles and salvage a top 100 class and turn it into the top 30. I mean, this is a stunning development, and it's just all the more impressive you know, if Lane Kiff- Kiffin had done something like that, we would have said, okay, we kind of saw that coming. But Sam right. Pittman, who's never done it, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's that's the easy answer where, you know, he's still they've still got a long way to go on the field, but mm-hmm. I do not know if they could have handled this first two months, two and a half months of his tenure any better. I like it. All right, Shane, so you ready to go? We're going to hit on a lot of these teams here around the league, National Signing Day edition. Let's do it. This is not a four-year decision. This is a 40-year decision. Come to the University of South Carolina and you'll be successful the next 40 years.
Recruiting and retaining is our top priority. We're coming. We're coming fast. We're coming at you. The jet's fueled up. And we're ready to go. He was my guy from the get-go. I watched all up across the country. I, I truly believe Zach is as good of a quarterback as there is in the United States. I really, his arm talent is to be able to run and create plays and make guys around him like an old-school quarterback. And it's just he can do everything. We have more players in the league than anybody else. We play in the greatest stadium. We play in the greatest conference. And we're the LSU Tigers. If you love the purple and gold, you'll come play for us. All right, we got to start here in Athens, of course, with Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs landing another top-rated signing class here. And, you know, I thought the major takeaway for me of this class, Shane, losing Sam Pittman, that kind of put that, uh, you know, that terrific offensive line class a little bit in doubt. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys didn't sign during the early signing period, made them sweat it out to National Signing Day, but they got almost all of them to – Come play for Matt Luke and Kirby Smart there. So I thought that was tremendous. Uh, Georgia signed the number one center, the number two offensive tackle, the number three offensive tackle. (laughs) They just lost a bunch of linemen, but now they've got some elite talent coming in. I just thought, uh, you know, that's big. And like I said, now it's the expectations of all that. I'm really interested to see if they can finally capitalize on it. I mean, all these Georgia fans that I'm hearing from, They've all got Kirby's back, and they should because what you really want to be is just keep chopping out that wood, keep being in the SEC championship game, keep knocking on the door of the college football playoff because eventually you're going to push that tree down. You're going to win that national championship if you keep stacking these classes on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Now everything's pointing in that direction, but at the same time, what happens – if, God forbid, Dan Mullen in Florida surpassed them, Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee surpassed <laughs> them, and or Alabama just you know beats them once again in the SEC championship game, that's the danger, I guess you'd call it, of just landing all these elite players and, and not doing anything with them. It just, just comes with the expectations of it. And, uh, you know, that's something Kirby Smart hit on. So let's just jump to Kirby here talking about his O-line signees and Matt Luke and the job he did bringing these guys in. Uh, given, I really thought it was fascinating how he credited the Notre Dame game for helping this program land the number one class. That's something I did not expect him to bring up at a moment like this. And then on, finally he hit on these expectations that come with landing another number one recruiting class. Um, one of the biggest areas was offensive line. Um, with the guys we had leaving early and the transfers we've had, seniors, we knew and anticipated this being a large offensive line class and been very pleased with the transition from Coach Pittman uh, to Coach Luke in being able to recruit these kids and bring them to our place. And uh, they, they want to compete and play at a high level, so the offensive line unit, I'm really proud of that. I also want to take this time to thank everyone in our organization. I'm talking about administration. I'm talking about fans that helped bring this signing class. The Notre Dame atmosphere was one of the keys to this signing class. Um, the academic people at the University of Georgia who sacrificed their Saturdays and their Sundays and their countless hours. I don't think people really understand that recruiting never sleeps. 
I mean, everybody's fired up today, and they're thinking that you're going to you know, get to relax. 2021, we've already had two or three uh, junior days. We've already had prospects come in. We're doing phone calls with these kids. It's already begun. But this group really goes back to the sacrifices that everybody made to give their time, and it really takes a team effort. When you've got kids coming from Texas and California and all over the country, people have to sacrifice their time to give you an opportunity to sign players like this. Do you think the consistency of stacking these high-level recruiting classes, at least according to the rankings nationally, uh, year after year, does it put you in a unique position to break through uh, you know, for what you guys are chasing the national title? Do I think this has something to do with it? Absolutely it has something to do with it. But what that ranking is or when that happens or how it plays about, I don't, I don't think that necessarily correlates. I think that uh, you having a complete staff keeping your staff in contact and in, in keeping them together and also being able to do it year after year is a level of consistency and a level of support that you're getting interna internally to make sure that we can do the things we can do. It's, it's hard to go out and recruit at a high level year in and year out because so many people recruit against you based on who you signed. Uh, you better have a good product to sell, which academically we do. Um, and you know, I, I really, it, there's not gonna be a separation between one through 10 in these recruiting rankings that really matters. What matters is when they leave, number one, how many of them are present, how many of them graduated, how many of them lives did you change? And they're not gonna be judged just on wins and losses, they're gonna be judged on what kind of people are they when they leave your program, because that's gonna allow you to recruit the next kid. You know, when Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle leave your program and do great things, that's what's gonna to sell to the next kid that wants an opportunity to come in and do those same things. All right, Shane, so like I said, before the clip there, Kirby mentioning that Notre Dame game is very interesting to me because I think that goes hand in hand with a lot of why we've seen it, obviously here at Georgia, Alabama, all across the nation. These schools are more invested now, more than ever, in getting these home-and-home -home series, mm -hmm. doing away with the neutral site games. And we learned right here why that's such a huge deal. Georgia's big recruiting in-season visit uh, of the season was that Notre Dame game. And if you recall, I know it was a while ago, but the atmosphere, the insanity there down in Athens, and it was a, you know, game day. It was a CBS, yeah. hell, CBS moved the night game for him. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was everything you wanted it to be. Georgia won the game. And now Kirby's sitting here saying that helped us land this class. Well, without a doubt, man. And what's sad, what honestly, the saddest part about it is it was the biggest win they had. You know, I mean, their season, the hot train could not have been any higher than that moment. And uh, a lot of people walked away from that game thinking either Notre Dame's really good or Georgia's not as good as we thought, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're in that bubble and at that field, yes, the environment was loud. It was it was chaotic. It was it was awesome. They had the new lights going on. You know, there was there there was a lot of great. And if you were there, I'm sure the atmosphere was electric, and it, it could only help with recruiting. But the fact of the matter is, you know, they they didn't do well the rest of the season. You know, they they kind of slid uh, past that game, and and after that, they just could not get things going. And and I don't know. I'm with you. The the recruit. I'm. We went into this season thinking that Georgia was going to be 
number one, man. I don't I don't know if you remember, but mm-hmm. we talked about them winning the national championship, and we just didn't see that come in fruition. And a lot of that had to do with development. A lot of that had to do with injuries. You know, they they you got to remember they weren't dealt a perfect hand at the start of the season, but um, you know, with all this talent you should be able to reload because everybody gets hurt, man. All teams are dealing with injuries, and, and Georgia is no different, and they should have been able to step up. And so um, I don't know. I'm kind of going off a tangent here, but the more the, the, the more talent that shows up in Athens, the higher expectations are always going to be, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make a good point because if I recall, hell, I did a serious XM radio leading up to that Notre Dame-Georgia game. Mm-hmm. They asked me to make a prediction. I said – I'm pretty sure I said it on this podcast, too. I said Georgia will win by four touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> they won by like six points. So, yeah. And, and I think at that point we knew something was kind of off with the Bulldogs. Yeah. Now, maybe they could have, you know, I don't know if, how much that had to do with the, the landing the number one class. But, hell, t- Kirby could turn, ar- turn around and tell those kids, hey, look, we've got everything to sell. We need your help to push it over the top win this elusive national championship. And I don't know if he's selling this on the recruiting trail, but I know I sure as hell would be telling these kids there's a lot to sell at every SEC program without a doubt. But at Georgia, if you are on the team that finally delivers these fans another national championship from since 1980, hell, you're Mm -hmm. never going to have to buy another drink in Athens. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you're going to be a damn legend for life. So I don't know. Have, have, I don't know if he's selling that, but that's that would be like one of my key points I'd be making. Have you seen Patrick Mahomes this week? It's like you know, <laughs> everywhere he's going, he's chugging beers, and everybody's so happy winning the first Super Bowl in Kansas City in fifty years. You know, it's just that's the kind of drive. That's the kind of momentum that they would have down there in Athens, man. It's just mm-hmm. you would be. Everybody would look back at when how this thing got started. You know, they're not going to think about, you know, 2019, 2018. They're going to think of 2020, man. This is the year that Georgia finally takes the step forward, finally is competitive with the one and two teams in the in the country, you know. I mean, you think about the big games that they had, it was embarrassing, dude. I mean, what they did against LSU, that they had their they had no reason. I mean, you ever watch a game and you're like, well, if they played again on a neutral field, it was like watching that game, they're not even on the same realm. And they should be because they've got statistically better talent than LSU does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean, that's going to be the big question mark. It's it's time. It's The hype train is over. It's got to be time for them to deliver it on the field. Absolutely. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Knoxville where Philip Fulmer is fired up and he's ready to take a bite out of your ass. <laughs> the balls are back. And before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play's ass. Thank you very much. I really <laughs> wanted to lead off with some Pruitt comments, Shane, until I heard this one. I mean, you can't. Can't really top this comment, could you? I mean, I like it, Mike. You know, I tried to at first. I was like, "What the hell, Phil?" You know, but then I was like, "You know what? I like this." I mean, somebody made the comments better than working like heck. You know, so I'm like, "Yeah, I guess he's got a point there." <laughs> Fulmer's uh, 
you know, writing some checks now that he doesn't have to cash them. It's on, it's on Pruitt, but yeah, Pruitt's back there sweating. He's like, <laughs> wait a minute, don't put too much pressure on me here, coach. Well, this is what you want if you're a Tennessee fan. I mean, this I know Tennessee is not where you want it to be just yet, but it appears certainly appears they're on their way. But hell, you know, when these teams are coming up, I didn't hear Coach O talking what ifs and all this. I mean, his goal is winning the damn national championship. Yep. What, what did Joe Burrow say heading into the year? And, and we kind of mocked him. He said, we're going we're gonna to score 50, 60 points a game. We're like, get, get the fuck out of here. And they <laughs> yeah. went out and did it. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is the, the attitude you got to have. And after landing, uh, you kind of hit on it there in the, in the intro there. Malachi Weidman from Florida, former Florida State commit. I mean, this is a guy, Jeremy Pruitt, We'll talk about it here in just a second, but I was not even aware this kid was on Tennessee's radar during the early signing period, but they were able to reset their board, getting that month and a half. You know, they did such a good job during the early signing period. They only had, you know, these two key targets here, along with D. Beckwith, had to beat out Mm -hmm. Florida for D. Beckwith, had to beat out Malachi Weidman, um, had to beat out Old Miss, Florida State, Oregon. I mean, these are some teams that either at Tennessee's level or have been better Mm-hmm. in recent years and we're talking oh top 150 football recruit and hell a basketball recruit that's uh, got lebron james and Dwayne mm-hmm. wade impressed by his damn dunking skills right. let's kick it over here to jeremy pruitt shane on tennessee's momentum since the offseason heading into national signing day on how the vols managed to kind of reset their board and kind of get back in with weidman and then uh i, I thought this was kind of interesting he gave a lot of Credit to offensive line coach Will Friend on his recruiting. Uh, that's a guy that uh, some Tennessee fans have been out on for his recruiting. But uh, he says he was instrumental in landing a guy like D. Beckwith and someone they got during the early signing period, Jimmy Holiday. I think um, recruiting, there's a little bit of momentum to it. Uh, when you when you get guys that, that start committing to a certain school or uh, – you know, guys want to be a part of that. You know, uh, right now, you know, we we won our last six games, seven out of our last eight. So we created some momentum on the field, uh, created some momentum in December. Done a nice job closing in the early signing period and the spots that we had to fill today. Uh, I couldn't be uh, more happier about the guys that we we added to this group. So. Um, you know, I feel like that the momentum that we we did re, we did create on the field. Uh, it, it had an effect in recruiting. Well, when you talk about Malachi in particular, I think he was pretty set on where he was going to go to school. You know, uh, there obviously was a coaching change there. Uh, he decided not to sign in the early signing period. A uh, guy that we targeted early on, but we didn't get much traction there. Uh, but once once he didn't sign, I, I really feel like that Chris Winky done a a fantastic job kind of staying the course uh, with him the entire time. And, you know, hey, it, it kind of kept us in the game. And uh, because of that, the opportunity to get him here and, um, you know, building the, building the relationships over the last six weeks uh, enabled us an opportunity to, to sign him. And yeah, you know, it's uh, start with Jimmy Holiday. You know, there's probably traditionally there's not been a lot of kids from the state of Mississippi that have came to Tennessee. You know, there's been a few right there from the era that Jimmy's from uh, that have come here and had a lot of success. So that helped to start with. 
Wheels Connections in the state of Mississippi. Uh, again, going back to the identification process, you know, um, we offered Jimmy early, uh, stayed on him. Uh, he committed to another school, uh, continued to stay on him, and uh, had an opportunity to get him in the end. He's a mid-year guy, and he's here. And, you know, every time that we have a group in here in, recru in recruiting, Jimmy's in here recruiting. So, uh, again, a guy that was a leader on his high school football team, uh, to me has a, a great makeup about him uh, and uh, excited about seeing him compete this spring. Uh, D. Beckwith, again, that's Will's area. and uh, I think he'll be quick to tell you. I mean, I, I said in the end home and uh, between uh, Will and T, I uh, really think they've done a fantastic job uh, working together uh, to make sure that, that we got D and uh, Jim Chaney also. So, uh, again, it's, it's a team effort. Um, and I think these guys done a really nice job using the other parts of the people in our program to, to help us uh, get really good student athletes. All right, Shane, so this is what you got to do if you're Tennessee. You're on the come up. You cannot, when you have these elite targets on your board, you just can't lose them to Florida and Ole Miss and teams like this. Otherwise, you're never going to catch the Gators. And, and I, know, right. I know it's just one, one commit, but they were the first ones to offer D-Beck with. And they were on him, you know, his entire football career, essentially. And if he flips a switch at the last minute and goes to Florida, I mean, I th that would be a terrible sign for Tennessee. And that's not what happened. No. And, and sometimes, dude, it comes down to one one commit. It comes down to one player. I mean, think about how many games you watch, and it's just one play changed everything. So, um, like I said, up top, when you get in the top ten, it, it's it's very – I mean, it's it's one or two players, dude. That's interchangeable. That can make you a, a sixth best best team in the in the nation as far as recruiting, or the fifteenth. You know, it's just, and not all of them are going to hit. But you know, when you're wanting to play with the big boys, you've got to recruit with the big boys, and that's exactly what Tennessee went out there and did. So uh, I, I'm stoked. Like I said, I was kind of down on this recruiting class at the start of the season, and and from what we were and where we were sitting to where we're at now, I'm I'm extremely impressed with this class. Yeah, and keep in mind, Tennessee's still in it for five-star running back Zach Evans. I know Ole Miss still in it. Okay, Mike. Florida's still in it. So, I mean, there's there's an opportunity that uh, Tennessee lad, lands another five-star to this class. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> this guy for a second. <laughs> what? What is going on? I mean, I, I keep – I've seen everything from Georgia conspiracies. I've seen Tennessee. I, I, I'm seeing a lot of stuff out there. You've got a better pulse than most, so I'm just curious your thoughts on Mr. Evans. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I certainly have seen him play. He's dominant player, mm -hmm. MVP of the All-American Under Armour game that he was at. But for me, sometimes the – and I don't even know what the issues are. And it doesn't seem like anybody knows what the issues are, which is kind of part of the issue. <laughs> but uh, no one really under, seems to – or at least they're not putting it out there, like what, is it, what it is that he's really done. I know he's been suspended multiple times by his high school team, uh, including yeah. for you know a state championship, playoff games and whatnot. But he is an elite talent to be sure. But my – the biggest red flag for me with him is the fact that 
He's from Texas, fairly close to Texas A&M, and it seems like they're out on him as well as the Longhorns. I know Alabama was interested. They moved on. LSU was interested. They moved on. Georgia was interested. They moved on. I mean, and, and we're talking some teams that have really in the past been okay with taking a guy with some concerns. Mm-hmm. Now, I've not heard, like I said, I've not heard anything. I don't even want to suggest, you know, what could be out there because I've not heard anything with yeah. that would say, you know, he would be a problem to have on the campus or in, or a danger to anyone by any means and nothing like that. So, But it just seems troubling that basically all these programs that get in on him are soon thereafter no longer interested. And right. that's a red flag to me. And the fact that... Uh, you know, don't, no disrespect to Tennessee because I think they are on the come up. But then you're talking his main competitor there is Ole Miss. Like, why would he? I don't know. I mean, I think the future is bright under Lane Kiffin. But we're talking number one, number two running back in the nation trying to decide between Ole Miss and Tennessee. I think that kind of tells you that uh, there's there's some huge red flags here. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious. And so. I mean, the the letter of intent that he signed, he did sign one with Georgia. Is that correct? Yeah, so he did sign with Georgia, which he is not permitted to essentially sign twice. So he cannot, mm-hmm. even if he, let's say he committed to Tennessee right now or Ole Miss or what have you, he cannot mm-hmm. sign with them. Uh, to my understanding, he can sign like financial aid papers, but that I don't believe locks him into anything. It just... It uh, just gives the school unlimited permission to contact him, and uh, he can sign financial aid agreements with several schools. So, so we just see where he shows up. Uh, yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's, we'll just have to wait and see. He could commit tomorrow and then go to another school. So his recruitment, and they're saying it sounds like we'll get to him a little bit more when we get to Dan Mullen's comments, but sounds like he's going to visit Florida in March. That's the next time he's allowed to visit a campus. And I mean, this thing could go all the way to about June. I got you. Yeah, I put a, I put a thing out there. I was hoping he's not going to be Bryce Brown 2.0, you know. And somebody made a comment and said, like my grandfather used to say, you know, if we get him, great. If we don't, great. You know, it's <laughs> like maybe it's a sign either way. So yeah, we'll just kind of. I guess this is one we're just going to have to wait on. But man, we've we've got some doozies in this class, man. Some some wild stories. Absolutely. All right, Shane, let's uh, move on to Fayetteville, Woo pig. where Arkansas, again, finishes my number three winner. Keep in mind, I believe they were ranked 118th in the nation in recruiting when Sam Pittman hired, currently ranked number 30. Just an outstanding job and the biggest get on Wednesday, in my opinion, quarterback Malik Hornsby, All-American Bowl quarterback, top 200 prospect. He was the nation's highest rated uncommitted quarterback pulls the trigger for the Razorbacks and not only is it good to get a guy like this but I think he's the perfect fit for what Kendall Bryles system is I mean this is a a dual threat quarterback he'll run it on you he can throw it on you and a lot of times when you when you hear dual threat it's like oh okay so he's a runner that we got trained to pass the ball this that's not what Hornsby is he's a he's a very good quarterback and I have heard actually uh, Tom Lemming one of the best recruiting Experts out there, he's been doing it for 40 years, I think. He made the comment that uh, Hornsby may be a four-star, but he's got that five-star potential. Mm. And you're going into a system, like I said, that's perfectly suited for him. We've seen the the 
kid from Houston King, you know, that ended up going to Miami. I mean, yeah. this, this is guys in the same mold as that. And he scored 50 touchdowns the one year he was with Browse. So not saying Hornsby going to come in and score 50 touchdowns, but hell, he may be their starter next year. I know I'm, I'm, we're both very high on KJ Jefferson. That, that would probably be my go-to guy. Of course they got Felipe Franks now too, but they got, this is the right building block you need here to push Arkansas's offense in the right direction. Malik Hornsby, and hell, they turned around and also landed three offensive linemen in this class, including an Under Armour All-American and Marcus Henderson on Wednesday. That was huge, and it's compounded by the fact they beat Ole Miss for him. So, right. I mean, this is just all trending in the right direction. I don't like. I, I keep saying there's a lot to work to be done, but hell, they're on the path to to getting it where it needs to be there in Fayetteville. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and you know, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think the Franks thing is a pretty good deal. I mean, you're talking about somebody that has a lot of experience. You know, did he struggle at Florida? Yes. Was the pressure a lot higher at the University of Florida than it is in Arkansas? Absolutely. And I think that's going to help his mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you can give a player like Hornsby, even KJ, some, you know, uh, another year to grow in the system. I, I think that's going to be, I think that's great. You know, if, especially if you could redshirt Malik, which I don't know if you could do that, but another thing too, about KJ, you know, he had trouble staying healthy. So I don't know, just, I think, uh, Malik, obviously the biggest get, uh, that we saw this week for, for Arkansas. And uh, I'm interested to see how this quarter quarterback thing plays out. That, that's, that's probably one of my the most intriguing quarterback uh, competitions we're going to see this spring. Absolutely. So let's kick it over to Pittman, Shane, talking about the recruitment of Malik Hornsby on the offensive lineman that they signed. And then this was my favorite part of his – he spoke for about 30 minutes. So this is my favorite part on the fact that everyone's patting him on the back. They're, they did a hell of a job here. And he sounds a little pissed off that they didn't do better, and he says better is coming.
All right, Shane. So I love this attitude. And this is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, you know, I'm seeing shades of Cocho, Dabo Sweeney. You know, the work is not done for Sam Pittman and company. They, they've only just begun. And I think that's the message you want to hear if you're a Razorback fan. Everything is trending in the right direction, but yet at the same time, they're just not satisfied with what they've done because they know they've got a long way to go. And I think if you're a Razorback fan, that's all you can ask for at this point. Absolutely. I mean, we were just talking about how great Georgia's recruiting class has been. Well, Sam Pittman's been there. You know, he's used to high expectations, so he's not going to settle for one or two four stars. You know, he he's shooting for the moon, man. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what they need. That's the attitude that the Razorbacks need to get back to. For sure. All right, let's kick it down to Columbia, South Carolina. We're a Will Muschamp. Man, he's having to sweat <laughs> this one out, Shane. Jordan Birch wanted to hit on it there. The strangest recruitment, I think, by far of the 2020 class. And for anybody that missed the ceremony, um, it was at his Hammond High School there in Columbia and Will Muschamp's in attendance, which is not typically permitted. But, of course, his son Jackson Muschamp was announcing, you know, that he's going to Georgia as a walk-on quarterback. So uh, the parents are obviously allowed at such a thing. So he's sitting there close to Jordan Birch, and Jordan Birch gets up and says, you know, I'm going to play with my friends three, four years here. He points to his other South Carolina commits and then gets up and leaves the room. (laughs) What what is this all about, man? I'm trying to figure it out. What is there to gain? I mean, he signs something, he flips it over. His mom signs something and flips it over. You know, it's just like this super secret thing. And and I'm hearing a lot that, you know, this has to do more with the mom than it does him, mm-hmm. which I think is crazy. I think I think Tua's dad and her need to go out on a date. They'd be like the perfect <laughs> ones, you know? That's <laughs> like the dynamic duo there. And they can figure out the future of the NFL and college football. So but uh, I'm just I'm just curious your thoughts, man. What's what's going on here? Is he going to be playing for South Carolina? Is he going to be playing for LSU or Georgia even? Mm-hmm. Uh, I still got him penciled in at South Carolina, and I yeah. I still think that you know this is just I think it's just kind of the day and age we're in a little bit because to me I know there's so much hype and attention paid to these kids and what they're doing and you know where's he visiting and what's he saying and all this but but this is so weird because it doesn't seem in my opinion if you want to boil it down to its most basic thing I just think this kid is not interested in the hoopla he's not interested in the hype everyone thinks he's this drama king but he doesn't do interviews I to my knowledge he doesn't tweet out stuff uh, you know, he does a little Instagram, but it's it's all Gamecock stuff. So it, it just seems to me like he's he's just a kid that's going to show up walking on campus. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, why is he on ESPN announcing his commitment? Why is he doing this ceremony at his school and then not giving interviews? Why has he not signed and sent in his letter? I do not know, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he's such a good player that, it doesn't matter how long this gets drug out. They're going to hold a spot for him. Maybe he just knows that. Yeah. And maybe he just wants to, it's in his best interest. I'll put it this way to not sign anything because if Will Muschamp's fired tomorrow and he signs that letter tonight, he's locked in. 
Mm. If he walks walks in a campus in June, yeah. uh, he's protecting himself till June. I think I honestly I think that's what he's doing. I think when it's time for him to go to school, he's just going to walk across the street. <laughs> he's already in Columbia. I yeah. I don't think he's going to LSU. I think he's sticking with South Carolina, and I think he's just because hell we're probably part of the problem, Shane. Putting five star Pete on Will Muschamp here. He, yeah. you know, these kids see this stuff, so he's probably saying to himself. I'm a five star. What what do I have to gain from signing this? And I think the answer is nothing. I mean, he literally has nothing to gain. He could go tomorrow, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. But I mean, Alabama would take him. Tennessee would take him. Go down the list. They'd all take him. Yeah, so that's he, true. It, he gains nothing from signing besides people asking him questions, <laughs> and he doesn't answer the questions anyway. So I don't think it bothers him. Oh, man, but there are some pissed-off South Carolina people. You know, just tell me already. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, Shane, let's kick it over to Will Buschamp because that was, once again, just like on early signing period, first question asked, should be worried about anyone not signing? And he also, uh, I thought this was a really good uh, insight here into his son Jackson, who really made a surprising decision there, turned away a scholarship offer from Colorado State to walk on at Georgia. Will uh, any reason to be concerned if somebody might have verbally committed and not sent in his letter? No, yeah, we're going to be fine. And um, what are some reasons somebody might wait to send in their letter? I don't, I, you got to ask them. Coach, I know we saw you earlier today at Hammond seeing your son yeah. and committing to Georgia. If you could just, what was that like for you today to be next to your son, putting on the bulldog hat, just knowing how proud you are of him finally I didn't making like his the hat. I didn't like the hat at all, but uh, no, it's a, you know, uh, Jackson, we had a discussion probably, probably five or six years ago, you know, and that's young. He said, Dad, I want to play Division One college football. And I said, well, it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to really work hard, uh, take advantage of the opportunities you have. Uh, but you, you got to really put in the time. And at that time, we really started kind of going into eighth, ninth grade, really putting the time. We weren't even here at that time. And uh, really started working toward – you know, wanting to be a Division One quarterback. And so, obviously had some offers from Division One programs. Uh, the BC offer was with Coach Adazio, who's now at Colorado State, and went out to Colorado State, and it was beautiful. And the staff was outstanding. The facilities are phenomenal. It's an outstanding school. It's a beautiful scene. Uh, got caught up in the moment a little bit and committed, and I uh, wish we had waited a day. And he got home and realized that was a long way away from home. And we have a very close-knit family. And so uh, – he called me and, and my wife, Carol, uh, on Monday on a conference call and said, I think I've made a huge mistake. I don't know if I can go this far away from home. And, uh, you know, I said, listen, I said, this is the way you feel. You need to call these coaches immediately. So it wasn't a flip like the article said. I mean, this was uh, made a mistake, and we owned it, and we called the coaches immediately and let them know exactly what was going on in the process. George has been recruiting Jackson since summer. He went over there to summer camp. He had a really good camp. And uh, they were very impressed with him. They felt like in a walk-on situation, they'd love to have him on their roster. Uh, you know, Coach Smart's known Jackson since he was born. So, obviously, there's a relationship there. Uh, so, I felt like it was a good fit for him. It's what he wanted to do. He also, in that conversation that we had a long time ago, is, Dad, I don't want to be where you are. Whether it's at Texas, it's at South Carolina, it's at Florida, wherever it is, Auburn, I want to blaze my own path and be my own man. And I totally respect that. You know, that's in a unique position because it's a quarterback position. 
and it's not a receiver, it's not a DB where you've got an opportunity to maybe get on special teams, to maybe play, to maybe get on the bus, to be on the kickoff team or the punt. Well, that's not happening at that position. And then he made a statement for a very young man at that time, I believe he was in eighth grade, when he said, if I go where you are, the reason why I'm playing is because of you, and the reason why I'm not playing is because of you, and I don't want to get into that. And you know what? He's right. So I'm proud of him and, and the opportunity that he's going to get and look forward to competing against him. All right, Shane. So it sounds like old Will Muschamp's about – he's got about as good an idea of what's going on as we do here. No clue why this thing's not been signed in – I don't know. I, I, I just think all the speculation is crazy and uh, it was the same deal as when he was, you know, committing in uh, December. You know, I, very few people had South Carolina as the, as the team except for people that really knew what was going on. Very few people seem to know what's where he's going to go now, but – I just think it's just part of the hoopla, and I really don't think he's going to sign. So I think that's where that situation's at. But how about his son here? I thought this was some really good uh, maturity on his part, just saying, you know, all down the line, you know, I have no interest in playing for my father. And at the same time, you know, who knows if he's ever going to play at Georgia, but he's kind of really gambling on himself here and walking on in Athens. Yeah, no, I mean, we talked about this with uh, Morris's kid last year, you know. What, how bad would that suck if he's up there in Arkansas, you know? Right. And, um, you know, you sign, You never want to sign with your dad because you never know what's going to happen, especially if anybody knows how much pressure is on coach, it's it's definitely his boy, you know. So it's good. He's doing his own thing, and um, I wish him the best. And and, and back to, uh, to uh, Bert there, I just – I, I hope he's good, man, you know, because if not, he's going to be on like every bust magazine that we see for the next 50 years. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> right. how much recruiting hype went into this kid and uh, he just never made it. So I, I think he's going to be a hell of I, I've, just some of the hot videos I've seen, some of the, uh, you know, the, the articles I've read about him. He, I think he's going to be an absolute stud uh, wherever he goes, most likely, like you said, South Carolina, but uh uh, but man, he's going to have a lot of pressure, dude, because there's going to be, I mean, the longer this thing drags out, the higher expectations are going to be for him. Absolutely. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to College Station. Giga Maggots. It was a really, there wasn't a ton of action here for the Yaggies and Jimbo Fisher. They only had one guy they were kind of waiting on. Well, two guys, but one big guy here, McKinley Jackson, had to beat out Alabama, had to beat LSU. I believe Auburn was the other team here. But in the end, he's an Aggie. McKinley Jackson, the number one player from the state of Mississippi. And the Aggies did really well in the the state of Texas. But they also went all across the nation, 14 guys from outside the state, including the number one player from Illinois. I already said number one player from Mississippi. Number one player from Arkansas. Number two from Texas. Number three from Missouri. Number four from New Jersey. So here's uh, Jimbo Fisher on McKinley Jackson. Seems really, really high on this All-American defensive lineman. And then on uh, you know going outside the state of Texas, getting all the guys they had to get to, to make up this class. Coach, what does McKinley Jackson add to an already loaded defensive tackle group, defensive line hall, and, and how unique is his combination of size and strength and, and well, explosiveness? Well, you know, we all know what, the guys that put their hand in the dirt both ways, or they determine. you got to have great skill and you got to have corners, you got to have linebackers. But those guys up front, when they can, when they can be disruptive, they cause, they cause fumbles, they cause negative plays, they have sacks. 
uh, and then you have to double team it, freeze guys up, and guys that can cause disruption inside. McKinley has a very unique skill set in that he's big and physical, is a tremendous run player, very powerful, but extremely athletic and can generate pass rush with your interior. And then not all your interior guys are great. I mean, they can push pocket, which he can do, but he can also he swim you. He's got great body quickness to be able to one-on-one -on -one pass rush you and create plays that way. So anytime you get a guy of that stature inside and it can be that disruptive and demand double teams and the things he goes on and you know, as he develops, we think he's going to be an outstanding player. Yeah, Jimbo, when did you know that you were going to be able to get uh, McKinley? How about time he picked that hat up? <laughs> I mean, we felt good about it. I mean, you know, it, we, 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 we felt we were in it from because I'm going to say this about McKinley. He's a very – very mature young man, very observant, and has a tremendous moral compass. I'm going to say that. Has a tremendous moral compass about who he is, what he wants, and how he wants it, and where he wants to go and how he wants to get there, and uh, did things the right way and was always up front, and we felt that way with him. And, and Elijah knows, and did a tremendous job of building a great relationship with him. You know, I've known McKinley for a long time. He actually came to my camp at Florida State back when he was a freshman, and you knew then he, he put on a show that day. We knew then and always had a relationship and tried to recruit him. But Elijah did a tremendous job with him and their relationship. And McClendon has always been very up straight and honest about what he thinks, how he thinks with us, and uh, was a joy to recruit. And like I can say a very he's 18 going on 30, as I say. I mean, but gets things really mature and has and, and knows what he wants and how he wants it done. And uh, but you know, you never know. Listen, I've been in this I've been in this business a long time. Till they actually say it and send in those papers, you're a nervous wreck. I don't care how many times they say it, and it's not that you don't trust them. It's not you don't always trust them. You don't ever know what can go on around them, <laughs> and the different things and different you know pressure situations come, and somebody gets in somebody's ear and things like that. But you know, felt very confident with him for a while. But you know, you never know. Do you know? Jimbo, 14 of the 25 signees from out of state. I'm curious why and how it broke that particular way. Just the way it goes. I mean, we're always going to recruit inside out in Texas. We're always going to recruit the players in Texas. And, you know, target the guys that we think we can win an SEC championship with and a national championship with, and there's plenty of them in Texas. And we recruited a heck of them, got a lot of guys we want, a lot of the top guys. But some guys elect, you know, they don't come here. I mean, some guys, you know, go to other schools. They leave the state of Texas or they go to other schools. So, I mean, that's part of recruiting. But we're trying to get everybody in Texas. But also, we're not going to limit ourselves to Texas because you got to be able to – there's a lot of players across this board, and we're in a global world now. People travel, things, access, accessibility, and, and you uh, build that Texas A&M brand outside of here, and people really see what this school has to offer. Like I said, from a cultural standpoint, from the unbelievable academics in which you have, from the commitment to athletics, for the coaching staff we have here, uh, the way we're building things, the 12th man, all the things that go on in life after ball at Texas A&M is very attractive, and kids are willing to see that and uh, get involved in it so all the way across the country. All right, Shane, so you can kind of sense it there from Fisher. I mean, he seems really fired up. I think he's really happy about his roster. And this is where te Texas A&M was really lacking, in my opinion, when he took over. Yes, they had some linemen, but you're going to beat LSU, Alabama, <laughs> Auburn, and the East champion, whoever that may be. You have got to be stacked on that line of scrimmage. And mm -hmm. I think the Aggies are – getting fairly close to where Jimbo Fisher wants that line to be. Yeah, no, that, it felt like that was a, a emphasis this year. And I think that's where it needed to be because, you know, Jimbo wants to run the ball too. And it, there were some times last year they weren't able to get that going. And if you can't run and be balanced, it's hard to compete in the SEC, especially the West, man. Mm -hmm. And a little bonus here for Aggie fans, probably already knew this, but – the fact that they landed McKinley Jackson 
that kept Alabama from locking up the number one recruiting class. There you go. Jimbo <laughs> got his first victory over Saban. Got him. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Starkville, Mississippi. Where, of course, now we got Mike Leach down here. And the biggest question people had for Mike Leach, because uh, the Bulldogs didn't have much of a – I think they only got four guys here, but they did – you know, they got who they wanted. But the biggest question posed to Mike Leach, what he kind of got the most excited about here, K.J. Costello, the Stanford graduate transfer, just started kind of watching his tape. Seems like Mississippi State's getting a real player here in K.J. Costello. Uh, let's jump over to Mike Leach talking about, uh, I just think this is great, on the fact that he's so open on the fact that, hell, I landed here, I'm being driven all across the state, I don't know where I am, but <laughs> I'm meeting with these kids, I'm trying to pitch the program, I'll get to know the state later, on uh, KJ Costello, of course, he talks about, and then this is one guy that I really like that they signed, a uh, local receiver, Rufus Harvey, he's very undersized, but he can. I've seen him high point the ball. Uh, this is the classic Mike Leach, Texas Tech inside receiver. A little bit smaller. That's probably why the you know the big elites programs didn't want him. But these are the guys that Mike Leach kind of you know three four years down the line are catching a hundred passes for him. I think this could be the steal of Mississippi State's class right here, Rufus Harvey. You had an opportunity to get out, and have some in-home visits with some of those signees from December having a chance to go sit and visit with those guys. What were your impressions of those players? Um, I was really impressed. First of all, I thought they were quality athletes, quality players. The other thing that reinforced how important football is in the state of Mississippi and then also what uh, uh, reinforced what Mississippi State uh, means to this state and uh, the opportunities it provides for those student athletes. And I did go all over the state uh, cobwebbed it all over the state, uh, top, bottom, uh, sideways, crossways, the whole thing. Ate at some great places and, um, and uh, uh, to be perfectly honest, seldom knew where I was at uh, as I was going there, but it was exciting and I look forward to seeing even more. Hey coach, Matt St. Jean, WTVA. Uh, with the signing of KJ Costello, you got a pretty crowded quarterback room. How are you going to manage that <coughs> in the spring with kind of the QB competition? Well, its sequence is pretty good because now we have one in each class. We didn't have a, uh, one in the senior class. Uh, it'll, I think it'll be a very competitive position, and uh, by spring, I hope they can all throw strikes. And uh, and if they can, we're going to sort out, uh, you know, the best one from there. In the end, it's the guy that moves the offense the best. But you know, one way to do that, if uh, if you can throw strikes, you can make six positions good. And so we want the opportunity to have six uh, positions producing out there on the field. Joel Coleman, Starful Daily News. Uh, Rufus Harvey from right down the road here at Starfield High. Uh, I think this was kind of a, an offer that he always kind of wanted, and of course he got it and, and signed with you guys today and things. What, what did you see from him upon your arrival here that made you want to bring Rufus Harvey over here? He's really good with the ball in his hands. I think that'd be the quickest way to describe it. Uh, pretty complete player as far as being productive on special teams and on offense and uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like in some plays it'd be <clears throat> kind of inexplicable how it happened, but um, very productive with the ball in his hands. Logan Logan Lowry, Daily Journal, and Tupelo. Uh, a lot of times when a new uh, coaching staff comes in, you know, the, you know what would have been signed in December kind of goes into disarray. Just how were you able to keep those guys on board uh, that were previously signed? 
Yeah, we went and saw, you know, there were 10 on campus, but then I went and saw all the others that had signed, you know, and deliberately did that because I wanted them to uh, feel secure about their decision. And then the other thing is, uh, um, you know, start getting acquainted with them and their family, even though I, you know, kind of missed that initial window, try to make up for lost time. So we did that. So it it was a very busy and vigorous two and a half weeks, you know, covering as much ground as we could. And then... Uh, prior to that, uh, you know, uh, I called them all too. So, um, you know, with regard to that, uh, you know, it's never perfect. You always wish you knew somebody better, but uh, uh, we covered as much ground as we could, and uh, and I felt like uh, in a quality fashion quite quickly. All right, Shane. So Mike Leach seems pretty fired up with with this class, and just the fact that hell, it's I mean, it's night and day different from Washington State, where they had to travel so far away from home just to mm-hmm. find a decent prospect. Here he is in the heart of the South and just the stones throw away. Hell, he's got – he just signed a receiver from his town. I mean, I don't think he's probably ever did that when he was at Washington State. <laughs> Dude, you can build a powerhouse if you just lock down Mississippi, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's just something he's not he's not had the ability to do since he's been in Texas, you know. So uh, this is this is, you know, he had to throw this one together – here close to the end, you know what I'm saying? He's still, I, I'm not going to judge him on this class at all, but it, it felt, it felt like he had a couple holes and he went out and fixed them. That's what it felt like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I got that sense too. And you know, his quirkiness and all that, we've not seen that really hurt them yet, which, you know, hopefully it doesn't, but Mike Leach. Well, see, well see, he ain't doing magic tricks, Mark, you know? <laughs> During appearance on ESPN was asked, about uh, you know a, a re- recruiting trip that didn't go his way, and as Shane alluded to there, Mike Leach got to keep that magic trick in his pocket next time. Right there on the border of Texas and Louisiana, and uh, um, he listens. It's one where you use a telephone. He drops that phone on the floor and he sprints right out of the office, and, and, and you know. And then, you know, he'd go around uh, on, uh, for the rest of the visit on tiptoes and, and he'd taste his food like it might be poisoned. And, he, uh, and that's the last I saw him. And I guarantee you, that magic trick was a big part of that. All right, man. So this is, this is why we wanted old Leach here at the SEC. I mean, my God, how many, could you imagine Nick Saban or Kirby or, or, or Jimbo talking about damn magic tricks they're doing on recruiting? No. Not at all. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't think you know what you're going to get when he shows up at your door, man. <laughs> yeah. You'll keep them on their toes, though. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we've got a small dose of leech. And uh, can you imagine? I'm I'm really looking forward to media days. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, jump it down to Gainesville. Where Dan Mullen, of course, met with the media too, and you know it was a rough day overall for the Gators. They did land. I'm going to butcher this dude's name, Princely Umanilan, four-star defensive analyst. Everyone expected him to go to Baylor. Made the surprise decision to come to the Gators, but that's you know that's been a strength of that team under Todd Grantham is that front of that defense. And it's going to only continue because they landed some studs in this class. Uh, Prince Princely was the only guy they got on National Signing Day of that caliber. 
Of course, they missed out on their big target, uh, Avante Williams. Everyone had him as a lock, and he well, he didn't flip because he never committed there, but made the stunning news that he was going to go to Miami, which that really stung. And then they missed out on all their running back targets. Uh, but let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, who talked about the depth of on the line of scrimmage for the Gators. They're finally, keep in mind, how they're winning so many games. I believe it's 21 games in two years. And their line of scrimmage, you know, if you count both sides of the ball, have not been where they wanted it. SEC is a line of scrimmage league. Now that they finally got that, how how good are they going to be? And then I think, you know, he doesn't mention Zach Evans here. He's not allowed to say Zach Evans' name, but I think that's clearly who he's hinting at here, talking about adding a potential high school player. And then something I thought Florida fans would appreciate, a lot of Gator fans upset at the fact that some of these assistants not recruiting to the caliber that they expect them to. Uh, Dan Mullen kind of gets into how he grades his assistants on their ability to recruit. Dan, um, you you addressed the the needs on the offensive line. Now you got your three, you basically three deep at every position on the offensive line. Uh, added some d- the depth on the defensive line. How good do you feel now? Because it is a line of scrimmage league. How good do you feel about your depth? Situation? Well, we're, I, I mean, the depth's getting there. We got to get you know we have some really solid young guys. We just got to you know now we got to get that depth of not just bodies but depth of guys prepared, ready to play. The great thing is having a bunch of those guys enroll early. Um, so that they get to go through spring, you know, and they get to train, they get to transform their body a little bit. You know, I mean, at this time last year, uh, everybody's looking at an Ethan White, right, and saying, okay, you know, who's this major project? But by the end, you know, by about game seven or eight, he was ready to go. Uh, by coming in early, learning the system, getting to play, getting in shape, going through off-season conditioning. So having our guys enroll early on the offensive line gives them that jump and that advantage to do that, which can give us the opportunity to add depth right away this season. Coach, any more any possibility of adding uh, more high schoolers to this class either Absolutely. later today or down the road? Absolutely. There's always a possibility of everything, right? <laughs> it's college football. There's everything, right? Heck, it's only 210, you know. I met, I met with Savage. Everything good. You know, they are roster, everybody in good shape. It's only 210, so everybody's good at this point. But we'll see. It's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll... Hey, Dan, when you're, when you're evaluating your assistant coaches, your staff, how do you measure their recruiting success? And where do you kind of place that as far as what their ability of, of how important that is for them? Well, I think it's a huge, it's a, it's a major part of their evaluation as a, as a staff. Um, now, how do I evaluate it? I evaluate it, you know, or did you do a quality job recruiting guys in your area? Did you do a quality job recruiting guys at your position? Not just the guys that we got. Did we do a good job recruiting? Did we do, you know, when you look back and say, did we do everything we could to get this guy? And if the answer is yes, you know, hey, he just didn't come to you, went somewhere else. Uh, you know, if the answer is no, then what were the mistakes? What were the issues? What did we do wrong? What could we have done differently? Uh, and, you know, uh, and that's kind of where, what would go into their evaluation. I tell you, you did a great job. You did everything I would that we could have done uh, to get this guy. All right, Shane. So that was interesting comments there from Mullins mm-hmm. on Zach Evans. Well, on adding a potential high school player because they have a hole there at running back and you know, we should note that uh, right before we started recording here on Thursday, uh, speculation, which seems like everybody's reporting this, so I'm going to say it's probably true, uh, Florida is adding 
Tim Brewster, North Carolina tight ends coach, of course, used to be at uh, Texas A&M, Florida State. He's been all over the country. But he's probably the best tight end coach when you want to talk about recruiting and the ability to develop you know, a combo of those two. So here we got Dan Mullen's assistants kind of being called into question, and then he brings in an assistant that's probably going to be his best recruiter immediately. I think that's kind of Dan Mullen's way of, of kind of fixing at least that position. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig that. And, you know, Florida maybe didn't have the best week this week, but I mean, top to bottom, like you said, the recruiting class and not to mention all the transfers they got coming. Hell, they got three five-star transfers coming in. So I think when you piece all that together, I, I don't think the fans are upset with the way things are going, but like you, like you had mentioned, Florida is, I mean, Florida should be a recruiting hotbed, man. You mm-hmm. know, they, they should not have trouble being a top five recruiting class especially when you're winning 10 ball games a year. So um, if he's not getting the recruiting from the coaches, then he's going to have to eventually make some moves and get some talent on because, you know, Dan's not even playing with his boys yet. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And we're going to start to see the fruits of all that labor payoff next season. And, mm-hmm. I mean, my God, if they're doing so well already, it, you kind of scratch your head and wonder how good they can be. Exactly. All right, Shane, so let's kick it up to the other Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Where I've got Drinkwitz in his program as uh, one of the winners here, and a lot of that had to do with them landing Enos Rostraw, who the Texas native, who a lot, a lot of people thought he was going to Alabama. But, hell, in his first recruiting class here, Drinkwitz beat out Alabama. That's huge. Uh, let's kick it over to Coach Drinkwitz on his reaction. If you missed the video, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit because Lane Giffen talked about it, but classic video of his reaction. He he watches it just like everybody else. <laughs> Watching this thing live, his reaction. And then Missouri missed out on several of the top in-state prospects. I don't hold that against them because, you know, this is the same thing all these new staffs are dealing with. They just don't have the relationships, don't have the time built with these players. The expectations, in my opinion, are very low for a new staff, first recruiting cycle. It's just There's just no way around it. Yet I really love the way that uh, Coach is tackling that challenge, making sure all 10 of his assistants have an area of Missouri that they have to recover or have to cover in recruiting. And I think that's the perfect way to kind of fix that issue um commitment were you how confident were you kind of going into today about that did you have any idea well either i'm a heck of an actor i was totally shocked one of the two you know i knew we had a great relationship um and he had given us indication that he was going to come here but we had not heard from him in a, in a, in a few hours and uh so I, I was not sure i was not sure at all and uh, knew that, that a couple of other schools had made really strong cases and, and obviously uh, had been in the home and been on official visits and, and knew that they really wanted him really bad. And, uh, but credit to Coach Gibbs, Coach Harbison, Coach Walters for building a relationship uh, with high school coach, with parents, with all the influencers. And uh, they did a really nice job of, of getting us over the top there. But I was that excited for everybody. They just happened to film that one. 
I'll, I'll start with just Missouri. Yes, all ten of us, uh, all ten will have uh, area in Missouri, and I'll actually have some too. Where when I'm able to go out in January, I will be in high schools. Uh, since the year 2026, of the 41 NFL draft picks have come from the state of Missouri, and the state has to be our strength in recruiting. It has to be. We have to close the borders. We have to uh, emphasize our state, do a great job evaluating, and and make it a strength. And that's the point of emphasis that I made to our staff. And we're going to see uh, the high schools in this state. We're going to see the players, and we're going to evaluate them. That doesn't mean we're going to take every player in the state. It means we're going to take the kids that we believe can help us win the SEC East. And we're going to trust our evaluation and our uh, eyes and ears. And we're going to be in those schools to make those evaluations. And then once that's completed, then we will go to supplemental areas, uh, obviously the Dallas metro area, and then whatever our strengths are. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, obviously we've got a strong Midwest recruiter and Coach Link with his ties to Iowa and uh, Minneapolis and Chicago. Uh, Coach Hampton has got ties to a lot of different areas from his experiences elsewhere. Um, and, and I'm not getting into all the specifics of where we're going to be, but we do know where those are. We do know what our wheelhouse is, and we're going to play to those strengths. But again, Missouri has got to be where it starts for us, again, where we evaluate. I think each individual person has their own unique story that made their recruitment so different and unique for us. I mean, you know, I can think about Dylan Spencer, a guy that, that Marcus Johnson knew that, you know, didn't commit to us until he got up here and, and was really being impressed by an in-state school and, and uh, another school within the SEC East was really pressuring him. A school south of us seemed to keep offering every single person that we offered. And so, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of those stories that make it unique. Uh, and it's Rakestraw, I mean, to have an official visit to, to uh, you know, his in-state school and his dream school, but yet to pick the Tigers, obviously, is unique. Chris Abrams Drain, a guy who canceled a visit to, uh, you know, a university that, that was less than an hour away from his hometown to commit to us it, it is unique. You know, Mantra Edwards, who, who had pressure from his in-state two schools to stay home, um, made all of those surprising and exciting. All right, Shannon, did you, you hear that at the end there? He's throwing a little shot there at old Barry Odom in Arkansas. So mm-hmm. this rivalry's heating up here, and the fact that we got – Coach Drinkwitz beating out Alabama for a recruit. He's taking shots at Arkansas. I'm starting to buy into this coach a lot more. And, um, you know, obviously we, it remains to be seen what he can do with this team on the field. But, hell, I, I, don't, think, um, I don't think this job's going to be too big for this guy. I really don't. Mm-mm. You think Odom loosened them screws in that chair in his office? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Coach Joe doing a little, a few spotful things on his way out. Maybe uh, Drinkwitz <laughs> had to deal with when he came back in. So I, I, I like it. This, 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 this is what football is all about, man. You know, we we talked about that old Miss Mississippi State game, just that rivalry, how big it was. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. You want to see games like this, teams like this go at each other because again, that's that's what that's how this game was founded. So I I, I enjoy it. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Oxford. I tell you, old miss. As we wind down here, Lane Kiffin, of course, they didn't get hardly anyone they were after. They did sign offensive lineman Brady Ward here on National Signing Day, a couple other players, but, you know, a lot of swings and misses here for the Rebels. Hell, the biggest signing they got didn't have an offer. We, we talked about that, but 
Um, you know, this is the same thing with Missouri. I mean, there's, the relationships are just not there. The time is not there. I would expect, you asked me who, you know, which first-year coach is doing the best job. I said Pittman. If you were to ask me which first-year coach will probably do the best in his second year, I'm going to go right there to Lane Kiffin. I think he's got that type of potential. But the best thing old Kiffin had to say here, he was on uh, Paul Feinbaum, so I think they had him on. They were expecting the Rebels to potentially have a huge day here. They were in it for a number of elite prospects. Like I said, missed on most of them. So the best thing he kind of had to say was on his reaction to Coach Drinkwitz's video. I thought <laughs> just thought it was great. And then uh, he was asked about Nick Saban. He kind of went into the, some stuff about Nick Saban, how he, he won't join Twitter and he won't even text. Coach, uh, always great to see you. I know it's uh, it's not easy getting started uh, under the current restrictions, but uh, we can't wait to see how it works out. Hey, I didn't get your thoughts on um, the Missouri coach, the celebration. Uh, yeah, no, we just played that as you were getting ready. Uh, 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 we'll, we'll play I it saw again. that. Yeah, we'll play it again for those who uh, may have just uh, tuned in, uh, and, and, you, and you reacted to that too. too. So I, 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 here, here we are. We're watching Coach Drinkwich uh, finding out whether he got a recruit or not, they were, I think, looking at Alabama and uh, maybe Texas. He's watching it. Ah! And there is uh, Lane Kiffin uh, putting a, uh, a tweet uh, up on the board. Coach, a final question here. It involves your reaction to this. You had an epic reaction to something we put out about Mike Leach. I know you're a pretty busy guy, but how are you able to stay in touch with Twitter while you're doing your job? Well, I mean, people send me stuff most often, so I see it and retweet it or whatever. And so um, I just thought that was awesome, you know, to see his excitement there about getting a kid. And, um, you know, so that was just really cool to see. And I know we're not supposed to do that because we're in the SEC, so we're supposed to hate every coach. So I understand that. But um, And I liked his sweater, too. I thought it was a good look, you know, so. Um, pretty cool moment for him. So, by my count, you've uh, you've reacted to Coach Leach. You've reacted to Coach uh, Drinkwich. Are you going to uh, keep working your way uh, through the SEC coaches, or, or is that, or, or is it going to stop right there? I, I don't know. They got to, you know, they got to do something cool on Twitter, I guess. Yeah. Well, not everyone's on Twitter, Coach. I guess you probably <laughs> have heard that. Has um, Coach Saban joined yet? Uh, yeah, I. I asked him once, uh, and he said he was close to it, and that was four years ago. You, you've, you've probably worked for him a, a lot more recently than I've been around him. Uh, you know, what do you think we need to do to get him on Twitter? I, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. I'm still working on trying to get him to text, you know, one time. So he, doesn't, I think Twitter, he doesn't text? No, no, he, he does not text. So um, I think Twitter's a long ways down the road before we get to that I, point I, coach. I, I don't need to keep asking the final question. How can you be a, a head coach with – because that's, I mean, players don't talk in conventional ways anymore. Isn't texting the main way to communicate? Yeah, but that's like one of coaches' frustrations, you know, with kids nowadays is that it is all texting and, and not communication. And so, um, you know, you know how he is. There's a lot of things he's not going to change. And so um, he wants to have real conversations. And, and that's that's part of why he's so great, too. So instead of, like, all the coaches texting recruits, he's the one picking up the phone talking to him for 30 minutes every single night. So... I've said it before, there is nobody that works harder in recruiting uh, than Coach Saban. All right, Shane, so I just love this, the fact that uh, Kiffin had a rough day. And, you know, a lot of these coaches, you could tell when they have rough days, they kind of, 
you know, their attitude dips, certainly. And, hey, we got Kiffin here making jokes. <laughs> I know. Did you see it? Picture came out of late. You know, he's just sitting there. He's he's kind of got a a Ben Roethlisberger look to him these days, and look uh, like he's somebody, been on the lake all afternoon, doesn't it? I know. Somebody put. He looks like the basis for the Florida Georgia line. <laughs> <laughs> so he's eating good over there at Ole Miss. But all right, last team we got here. Let's jump it down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Where I noted that uh, hell Alabama missed out on their major key targets here. Nick Saban, uh, you could tell he was kind of fiery and pissed off during the presser here, <laughs> and he was asked, well, he was he was asked about having nothing to do all day. He didn't appreciate that. <laughs> Today wasn't a very busy day for you guys. Just was that what you expected, and how do you feel like you address your remaining needs? I, I, I didn't hear. Sorry. Today wasn't a very busy day for you guys, just in terms of signatures coming in. Is, is that what you expected, and how do you feel like you addressed your remaining needs? Do you guys take math? Do you have math class? Not anymore. No, don't, can you, did you learn how to add when you did have math class? Like 22 and 3 make 25? I mean, what's that? I think you said it wasn't very busy today. No, I know, but is that what we expected? Yeah, we only could sign three guys. That's what we expected, based on math, which is. I but but it was a very busy day, I because the calendar is moved up, I so I spend my whole day today, and we spend our whole day today, really on next year's recruiting. Does that make sense? So, I think I talked to twenty-two guys today. And I think I talked to 14 guys yesterday. All right, so um, it was very busy. In fact, by the end of the day today, I was stuttering on the phone and having a tough time speaking clearly. So that's how busy it was. It wasn't busy in terms of how many guys we signed, but we had lots to do. <laughs> All right, Shane, so only – Coach Saban get away with uh, berating reporters <laughs> quite on this level, and uh, people just laugh it off there. But, uh, man, he did not have a good day on the trail, and, hell, Kirby passed him up again on the in recruiting, or at least from the rankings and what have you. But thoughts on Nick Saban just losing it on this guy? and He, he didn't do shit, man. You know, <laughs> he knocked out a couple of Sudokus, but that was about it. <laughs> Oh, Alabama had everything they needed. They had, there was a few shots, and, and Nick knew he probably had it or didn't have it early in the day. And, you know, he could say that he started working on the next class all he wants, but I really don't. I, I really think this was more of a down day at Bama. You know, they didn't make a big deal of it. They got everything they needed on the early signing day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on the bright side, you're going to be picked to win the West. You're going to be picked to win the SEC. You signed the nation's number one quarterback in the early signing period. So it's not like it's doom and gloom there in Alabama, but there's really no need to pretend you had a lot to do on national signing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He bet they're at Coke at him, you know? <laughs> All 
All right, Shane, so we covered a lot of ground here just on National Signing Day, of course, and uh, we've got a lot of really good stuff that we can talk about next week, a lot of nuggets, some of the other teams we didn't hit on today, just simply the fact they didn't have much uh, going on on National Signing Day and didn't berate any reporters. So we'll get to those guys uh, next week, but uh, do you got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy, I got some reviews. First one comes from Biggie Bry, best pod bar none, five star. Gotta say, I recommend this pod to anyone who loves their school and the SEC. Cousin Shane's funny as hell and helps make the show work by openly pulling for his balls, but not in a way that's condescending to other teams. <laughs> SDS. They catch me <laughs> They catch me up on everything I need to know about the league and my team, AM. Y'all seem like you'd be fun to knock back a beer or eight with. <laughs> Makes my drive to work bearable. Keep it up, Mike and Shane and Giggum. This is uh, from Brian in Phoenix. Well, Brian from Phoenix, I appreciate you. Yeah, that's an awesome review. Appreciate that one, Brian. Absolutely. The next one here, this one comes from Pamela's World. This is funny and informative, five-star, a must-listen SEC podcast. Pamela's World, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Pamela. All right, this one comes from Thune. I guess that's how you say that. Hey, buddies, five-star. Five-star heart guts for my... Uh, for my guys Shane and Mike, I listen to every show. Thank you for all you guys do. Well, in Thune, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you. Yeah, appreciate that one, buddy. All right, I just got a couple more, Mike. This one, Leech. Oh, I like this. Leech from MSU, number one Leech MSU fan. Five star. These guys discuss Mississippi State more than any SEC football cast I ever heard. They do a great job covering the entire league. Well, Leach, I appreciate you, and welcome to the league, my friend. Yes, sir. And uh, let's see. Got two more, Mike. This one comes from Volunteer James. Hey, buddies. Five star. Really enjoy the show. It's the best combo of humor and info I've found. Into, uh, comes. Jeez Louise, Mike. I almost got finished here and then. Don't let Volunteer up. James down. <laughs> No, I just fumbled, man, on the on the goal line. All right, here we go. Volunteer James. Hey, buddies. Five star. Really enjoy this show. It's the best combo of humor and info I've found when it comes to SEC football. Well, Volunteer James, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate that one, James. And this one, I love the name because I can totally recommend. Wait, let me do this one again. This one, I love the name because I... I Maybe I wrote this one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Time for donuts. <laughs> My favorite podcast, five stars. Thanks for all you guys do. Really appreciate the five shows a week during the season. Go Gamecocks. Well, time for donuts. It is time for donuts, and I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Donut Man. I appreciate all listeners, Mike. You know, it's the off season. It's February. National signing day. I mean, we're, we're hitting the dog days. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. We got the XFL. That's about it. And, uh, but uh, we're still going to scrounge up some news as, as much as we can. We're not going to be five shows a week right now, but we are going to do something each week uh, to keep you guys uh, up to date with the news that's going around the league. Absolutely. And if you want to get your 
five-star review read on the air. Just give us that uh, follow and subscribe and all that good stuff. We'll send you a, a koozie free of charge. Been mm-hmm. sending those out a lot here lately, so get them while we got them. We really appreciate each and every one of those. That's just our way of showing our appreciation. I think that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Remember, uh, the show music comes from Nashville band Crimson Calamity, so give those ladies a follow. for They give their music to us for free to use on the show. But uh, that's all I got, buddy. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, Mike. Go Vols. <laughs>